Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you uh, for this evening. Uh, thank you uh, for your prophet Isaiah and uh, the word that you've given through him uh, and uh, for the signs uh, that have been recorded down, uh, those that testified to your presence with your people, uh, both in salvation and judgment in Isaiah's own day, uh, but also uh, that projected to the future uh, of a greater uh, Davidic son, uh, a greater heir, uh, one who would reign and rule forever, uh, your uh, eternal son, uh, the uh, God-man incarnate in human flesh. And so we thank you for these promises and we thank you for uh, revealing uh, all these things uh, to us, uh, things that even uh, angels uh, long to look into. And we pray that uh, all of this would be to your glory and that uh, your spirit would be with us uh, and teach us and instruct us in your word. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are back in Isaiah. And let's start at just read from Isaiah 7. Uh, and actually, uh, Dave, would you mind uh, reading? It's kind of a big passage, but uh, Isaiah uh, 10, or 7, 7 verse 10, uh, through the end of the, the chapter, uh, where we see this uh, sign uh, offered, rejected, uh, and then uh, unfold. Uh, with the four in that in that days. Again the Lord spoke to Ahaz, Ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear now, you house of David, it is not enough to try the patience of men. Will you try the patience of my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He will eat curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. But before the boy knows enough to reject reject the wrong and choose the right, The land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. The Lord will bring on you and your prophet and on your house of your father a time unlike any since Ephraim broke away from Judah. He will bring the king of Assyria. Actually, stop there. So here we have the the sign unfolding of of the child. It doesn't just stop like in Matthew. In fact, Matthew is a little different too. Because he says, and they will call him Emmanuel, God with us. Uh, and may even be connecting uh, with, I mean, you have the following chapter, but then into uh, chapter 9, uh, to us, a son is born, to us, uh, a, a child is given, uh, and the government shall be on his shoulders. Uh, it could possibly be drawing on that, but he's looking uh, more broadly uh, at the uh, probably at, uh, at the people more, more, more broadly than just 
uh, the naming of the, the woman. And so uh, he even uh, paraphrases a, a little bit there. Uh, but here with the unfolding of the sign, again, there are these elements where there's a bit of ambiguity. Okay, with, with Isaiah, uh, Ahaz rejects the sign, but Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put Yahweh to the test. And then uh, verse 13, and he said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Uh, and so God is growing impatient with Ahaz. And so that, that context is actually pretty negative. And you, you have this, O house of David, you know, uh, that he, he's referring to. Is that how... Uh, David's house, his dynasty, uh, should be acting like Ahaz, rejecting God's signs, rejecting God uh, and his salvation. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And so part of that sounds maybe a little ominous. <laughs> I mean, Ahaz has rejected the sign and then you have this Davidic language. So what kind of son is this? Is it part of the Davidic dynasty? Is it a Davidic son? Is it is it an heir that is being raised up? Uh, but then you, you have this negative context. Ahaz has rejected it. He's been rebuked. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Uh, and now it's Isaiah's God, not Ahaz's. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And so is this a bad thing or a good thing? Is it a Davidic thing or, you know, what, what's, what's going on here? Uh, and now everything that you read could be taken as positive, as we said, up until that special phrase that's left for the very end of that really, really long sentence that would be a complete sentence without it. The king of Assyria. Uh, then it, it turns for, for the bad. But... As we work through eight and then uh, go into nine, and chapter markers weren't there, uh, but we, we go into this new scene where the sign begins to unfold, and then later it's going to project into the future. It goes back from negative to positive. Uh, and even in Isaiah's own day, there, there are positive elements uh, with uh, the, uh, the destruction of the two kings uh, that he dreads. So there, there are certain positive elements. God still saves. Uh, this sign is still bound up with uh, a remnant shall return, you know, as for a son, uh, and our uh, Yashuv. And it will not happen. It will not come to pass. Uh, concerning Rezin of Aram and uh, Pekah, the son of Remaliah, or just son of Remaliah, uh, king of Israel. And so then you have the sign. Uh, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, God with us. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Curds and honey could be a good thing. Uh, for before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. So their enemies are gone. That's a good thing. A Yahweh will bring upon you and upon your people 
and upon your father's house. So now he has his heart maybe kind of, you know, get, get a little excited, kind of, you know, looking around and uh, envisioning, you know, this the, the great glory. Although, you know, who's the, who's the son? Uh, Yahweh will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. And again, you, you see the father's house, you know, the Davidic house, Davidic line. And so you have the, these elements bound in, but it doesn't, it doesn't strictly say this is a Davidic heir. It just kind of makes you wonder. And so now, Ryan, would you read from uh, verse 18 to the end of the chapter? So now you have um, uh, Yahweh will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah, the king of Assyria. All right, starting in verse 18. In that day, the Lord will whistle for the fly that is at the end of the streams of Egypt and for the bee that is in the land of Assyria. And they will all come and settle in the steep ravines and in the clefts of the rocks and on all the thorn bushes and all the pastures. And that day the Lord will shave with a razor that is hired beyond the river with the king of Assyria, the head and the hair of the feet, and it will sweep away the beard also. And that day a man will keep alive a young cow and two sheep, and because of the abundance of milk that they give, he will eat curds, for everyone who is left in the land will eat curds and honey. In that day, every place where there is used, where there used to be a thousand vines worth a thousand shekels of silver, will become briars and thorns. With bow and arrow, a man will come there. With all the land, for all the land, will be briars and thorns. And as for the hills that used to be hold of a hoe, you will not come there for fear of briars and thorns. But they will become a place where cattle are let loose and where sheep tread. Another important point to pay attention to, back with this uh, sign, and so she called his name Emmanuel, uh, verse 15, he shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse uh, the evil and choose the good. For before uh, the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, uh, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. And so uh, the, these events are bound up, uh, especially with the boy in his youth, uh, uh, at, the, at this age uh, leading up to uh, moral uh, discernment. Uh, in in uh, growing maturity, which we'll also see with uh, Isaiah's son, before he knows how to say my father and my mother. And so a very, very small youth. Uh, that it's within three years uh, that uh, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. <coughs> and so uh, you have uh, this uh, conception, this pregnancy, you know, nine months, out, you know, right, right on time, uh, with uh, with Isaiah's son, uh, and, and so you have this timeline unfolding from around 735 through 732 uh, BC, 
And so it's connected most directly uh, with the Lord will bring upon you and upon, or, uh, for before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. But then the sign continues to expand uh, with the, uh, the king of Assyria, who's bound up with this, uh, but we'll also see unfolding events, uh, especially in the, the next section, that will, <coughs> that will start here with the destruction of the two kings, but then will continue uh, even in the subsequent years, so 735 through uh, 732 BC, but then even leading up to 702, 701 uh, with uh, Hezekiah. And so uh, the, the, the sign, the judgment, and the salvation will then expand beyond this very early stage. And so now going back into uh, chapter 8. Uh, we, we see the, the sign uh, again. Uh, begin to uh, to unfold. But then Yahweh said to me, Take a large tablet and write on it in common characters belonging to Maher Shalal Hash Baz. Uh, and so, uh, somehow, uh, quick, quick to the the boot, the uh, swift to the prey, you know, something something like that. Uh, what, what do some of your uh, Bibles have? Maybe if you look in the notes. Yeah, the spoil speeds, the prey hastens. Spoil speeds, prey hastens. Speed the spoil, hasten the booty. Speed the spoil, hasten the booty. Yeah. Same as right. Quick to the plunder, swift to the spoil. Yep. And so the, the prepositions are a little, little paraphrase, uh, but you obviously have bound up with uh, actually, that, that's good. Uh, but you have bound up with this uh, basically plunder and spoil like a, in war. Uh, in a lot of these elements, you'll again see, like with the remnant that shall return, both negative elements for judgment on God's people, but then positive uh, when their enemies are judged and they plunder and uh, take the spoil from them. And you see that a lot, especially as you go into uh, with the uh, the branch, uh, the uh, shoot, the root of, of Jesse uh, going into chapter 11. Uh, and you even see like the, uh, the uh, southern kingdom and the northern kingdom, Judah and Ephraim being united and then uh, even plundering their, uh, their enemies uh, around them. And so you'll turn to their uh, salvation ultimately. And so, take a large tablet and write on it in common characters for, uh, to be seen, to be read, uh, belonging to Maher Shalal Hashbaz. And I will get reliable witnesses, Uriah the priest and Zechariah the son of uh, Jeberkiah, to attest for me. And so you have, I mean, these two are close to, to Ahaz, uh, the one who eventually makes the, the pagan altar for him, uh, the, the high priest, and uh, his, uh, almost certainly his father-in-law, Zechariah, the son of Jeberekiah, to attest for me. Uh, every word shall be uh, attested by two or three witnesses. 
then Isaiah goes on to say, and I went to the prophetess. And uh, I argued that simplest explanation, it's his wife. Isaiah is the prophet, she's the prophetess. Uh, and uh, she'd be uh, young uh, in her prime, in child, uh, her childbearing uh, years, uh, because he just had a boy just recently before this as a sign to, uh, to bring along to uh, Ahaz. And so I went to the prophetess, uh, but you have a little ambiguity there. And Alma is, you know, uh, missing. Things keep being changed up. Uh, part of that, maybe speaking in parables, a lot of times you'll have variation and repetition together. Um, but then, you know, sometimes it, uh, some of the things just raise questions. You know, maybe there's more, more to come. And she conceived and bore a son. That sounds familiar. Uh, then Yahweh said to me, call his name Immanuel, God with us. Oh, wait, Maher Shalah. Uh, <laughs> um, but again, call his, you know, she'll call his name. Uh, it goes back, but uh, we, we have differences. Well, now bound up with uh, uh, the, uh, the, the plunder uh, in the spoil, uh, hastening, speeding. Call his name Ahir Shalah Hashbaz, for before the boy knows how, that go right back again, for before the boy knows how uh, to cry, my father or my mother. Uh, the wealth of Damascus, that's the capital of Aram, and the spoil of Samaria, uh, the capital of Ephraim and the northern kingdom, uh, which there, there's even that. Uh, echo earlier where he spoke about uh, the uh, the even let's look at uh, previous chapter chapter 7 verse 8 right before that thus says the Lord God it shall not stand it shall not come to pass for the head of Syria is Damascus so you have the nation the capital the head of Samaria is Damascus and the head of Damascus is resin and within 65 years, Ephraim will be shattered from being a people. And the head of Ephraim is Samaria. So you have the northern kingdom and the capital. The head of Ephraim is Samaria. And the head of Samaria is the son of Remaliah. If you are not firm in faith, you will not be firm at all. And then we go back to, I went to, uh, to the prophetess. Back in chapter 8, verse 3. She conceived and bore a son. Then Yahweh said to me, call his name Maher Shalal Hashbaz. For before the boy knows how to cry, my father or my mother, uh, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. Uh, the land whose two kings you fear shall be deserted. Uh, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. And so we have similar ideas. Wealth is a different word, but a related concept to spoil, plunder, uh, sort of thing that would be plundered. And then we have the, uh, the repetition of shalal, uh, here in the ESV, spoil or plunder. Here, shalal, uh, giving explanation for uh, his name. Uh, that at this young age, uh, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king 
of Assyria. Uh, and then, let me just draw on here, uh, Eugene Merrill. He briefly uh, breaks down in his uh, book, uh, Kingdom of Priests, A History of Old Testament Israel, which is a, a very nice resource, by the way. Uh, it really starts from around the, uh, the time, the calling of Abraham, uh, and goes all throughout uh, the uh, history of Old Testament uh, Israel. And speaking about the king of Assyria at this time, uh, so we went from 735, and then we have this uh, conception, pregnancy, birth, nine months. Uh, Eugene Merrill says, quote, when uh, Tiglath-Pileser uh, saw what had come to pass, uh, and uh, here he is just talking about uh, some of the, uh, the, the invasions of Aram uh, against Judah uh, and uh, all of the nations around them, uh, the northern kingdom against Ahaz. Uh, Judah thus lost access to the southern sea when a lot was taken. Uh, when Tiglath-Pileser saw what had come to pass, he moved west in 734, attacked and defeated Ashkelon, Gaza, and Gezer, uh, which were Philistine cities to the west along the, uh, the, the Mediterranean or the Great Sea. Uh, some of their uh, major cities along this area, uh, attacked and defeated Ashkelon, Gaza, and Gezer, and lifted uh, the siege of Jerusalem. Uh, so by the northern kingdom and uh, Aram, uh, the, the nations, that uh, yeah, the Philistines coming from the west. You can read about that in Second uh, Kings uh, 15, 16, uh, and Second uh, Chronicles uh, around 28, uh, give or take. So, uh, Tiglath-Pleser, king of uh, Assyria, moved west in 734, attacked and defeated Ashkelon, Gaza, and Gezer, and lifted the siege of Jerusalem. He next addressed the recalcitrant resin of Damascus, and in 732 took him and his city with such finality that Damascus never again, again became a significant factor in Old Testament times. And so, uh, within just two years or less, Rezin was killed and done away with. Uh, and he sacked uh, Damascus. So, plunder, spoil, speeding, hastening uh, along the way. And so the, these campaigns, so 734, 732, uh, finally, he turned on Israel, stripped it of its northern and eastern territories. So in Galilee, which we'll be reading, Galilee of the Gentiles, and the eastern uh, territories uh, where you had uh, Reuben, uh, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh along the eastern Jordan, uh, the, the ones that didn't cross over the Jordan uh, with, uh, uh, when Joshua went in. So finally, he turned on Israel, stripped it of its northern and eastern territories and placed his own appointee, Hoshea, on Israel's throne. And so the son of Remaliah, or uh, is it Pekah, uh, he's done away with too. 
uh, within this uh, same same time, time period. And so you have these succession of years 734, 733, 732. Uh, and Eugene Merrill puts, puts these under uh, 732. Uh, and I'll just read this little last portion. He says, Ahaz had paid a staggering price for survival, not only in monetary terms, but especially in the moral and spiritual compromises his bargaining had required. As the chronicler notes in the final analysis, Tiglath-Pileser gave Ahaz trouble and not help. Ahaz had had to loot the temple to pay the heavy protection fees that Tiglath demanded, and as an act of thanksgiving, Ahaz offered sacrifices to the gods of Assyria, whom he credited for his salvation. He also installed the shrines throughout the land. It is little wonder that Isaiah the prophet chastised Ahaz in the bitterest terms and predicted the day when Judah also would come to know the awful Assyrian scourge. And he talks about the, the king of Assyria. That's the, the verse that he refers to. Uh, and he concludes, uh, This scourge did not come at once, however, for Ahaz maintained his servility to Assyria for the rest of his days. Moreover, Tiglath-Pileser found himself up to his neck with rebellion in the homeland, especially from the Babylonians. He could not, uh, maybe bound up with the Chaldeans, he could not have returned to the West even if he had wanted to, and by the time pressures eased, he was dead. Uh, and so later, uh, you're going to have Sar Sargon, or Shalmaneser V, and Sargon II. It's all... All of these things uh, unfolding uh, right in these days. In, in, just within three years, uh, their enemies are removed. Uh, Rezin of Damascus, capital of Aram, and uh, Pekah, son of Remaliah, uh, king of Israel. And then Hosea is the very last one. And by uh, what, 722, uh, Israel uh, will be, uh, the northern kingdom will be done away with and fully deported. Syrian records also speak about, uh, they include some, some other cities, uh, but they overlap uh, with many of the cities that they mention uh, that they sacked along the way and uh, deported people from, like in Galilee and then uh, the, the eastern tribes. And so uh, the wealth of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria will be carried away before the king of Assyria. And so it happened. Came, came to pass before the boy uh, knows how to cry, my father or my mother. Uh, before he knows how to choose the evil, or to you know, choose, choose the good and refuse, reject the evil. Sorry. I was going to be thinking back to uh, the garden. Um, uh, the wealth of Damascus, spoiled Samaria, will be carried away before the king of Assyria, just like his name. And so... Uh, now, verse 5, uh, we also have a break. So you have this immediate element that ex uh, to name him. Uh, he gives the explanation for the name. And now we have this break. Yahweh spoke to me again. Could just have him keep speaking, but breaks it up for, uh, to separate this unit. Uh, Yahweh spoke to me again. Because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh, that flow gently, and re rejoice over Rezin and the son of Remaliah. 
Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria in all his glory. And so it's just like in the previous section, we have a transition. Okay, those two kings uh, that you fear and dread will be done away with. But now, now the king of Assyria is coming for you uh, and your people and your father's house. Uh, and so uh, just back with verse 6, because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently, uh, those are uh, connected uh, with the, the springs uh, in, in that area uh, and connected with Mount Zion. So uh, near bound up with uh, God's holy hill, his temple uh, where he is present. Uh, they've rejected God. Uh, they've rejected the gently flowing waters. And so living waters, uh, God's provision for his people. And a lot of times you see that even in the garden. You have all this temple imagery and you have a river that flowed through the garden. And in Ezekiel, there's there's a river flowing from the temple and you go west and uh, east. Yep, yep, even into to Revelation. And giving life to the region. So they, they rejected the gently flowing waters, these, these living waters of God's provision for them. Uh, and rejoice over Rezin in the son of Remaliah. Uh, likely it's probably to their destruction. They're rejoicing uh, uh, over them. At least how they translate the, the English, but the, the interpretation of uh, Hebrew as well. Uh, so, you know, they maybe rejoice over them. Their enemies are defeated. You know, Ahaz is happy. People are happy. But they've rejected God. And so they're boasting over the defeat of their enemies, uh, but a uh, little, little too soon, maybe. And rejoice over Rezin and the son of Remaliah. Therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria, and all his glory. So now they're getting the, uh, the mighty and many rivers of the Euphrates uh, associated with Assyria, uh, this great Mesopotamian uh, empire and war machine. So, uh, behold, uh, therefore, behold, the Lord is bringing up against them the waters of the river, mighty and many, the king of Assyria, and all his glory. And it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks. And it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even up to the neck. And its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land. All Emmanuel, God with us. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand. For God is with us. Emmanuel. And so now even out to the nations, you know, maybe uh, including uh, Aram, in uh, Israel, in these kingdoms, uh, but even the kingdoms uh, around them uh, as well, uh, around Judah, God's bringing judgment upon Aram, upon Israel, upon these kings, upon Judah, his people, and upon all the nations, uh, uh, the nations uh, surrounding as well. And 
you have other nations that attack, uh, not necessarily mentioned right here in Isaiah, but if you're reading Kings and Chronicles, uh, you'll read about uh, uh, some of those who are attacking along with uh, the Edomites uh, to the south and the port of Elah to the Philistines, uh, these different, different peoples. And so uh, the, this brings us through this, this early unfolding sign. Uh, but look at, the, at this verse, too. As, uh, just going back to the, the river mighty and many, uh, the king of Assyria and all its glory, and it will rise over all its channels and go over all its banks. It will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck. So head's almost underwater. Uh, with uh, Judah and in Hezekiah's day basically just Jerusalem will be left uh, there will be uh, great destruction by the Assyrians of the towns and cities and villages uh, in the uh, in the uh, leading into the hill country uh, the from the foothills into the hill country uh, leading up to uh, Jerusalem uh, being left and so, uh, verse 8, And it will sweep on into Judah. It will overflow and pass on, reaching even up to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land. O Emmanuel, God with us. And now that could be just an interjection, God with us. You know, God is uh, present with them. Uh, as we'll see again at the end of verse 10, uh, and certainly it's bound up with this sign, Maher Shalal Hashbaz, as this judgment is coming uh, that we were reading about in the previous chapter uh, against their enemies and then even into the land. But it is kind of interesting that suddenly there's, there's a shift of where you go from uh, basically in, uh, indirect dress uh, Thing, uh, sweep on into uh, Judah and even before uh, because this people has refused the waters of Shiloh that flow gently and rejoice over Rezin the son of Ramaliah behold the Lord is bringing up against them uh, the waters of the river mighty and many the king of Assyria and all his glory and it will rise over its channels and over all its banks and it will sweep on into Judah and so referring indirectly to the people this people them into Judah, it will overflow and pass on, reaching even to the neck, and its outspread wings will fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel. Now, a lot of times there's a shift. There, there can be shifts between them, you, even like a singular you, to refer to the people. A lot of times you get that with the prophets in Hebrew, kind of a collective you. But it is interesting that it switches there, your land, and now... Possibly, I mean, well, Isaiah's son and such. Uh, well, as believers, I mean, they're heirs of the land. But very interesting. Uh, fill the breadth of your land, O Emmanuel, and shall call his name God with us. And so it's used as a name before. Speaking of God's presence, your land. You have these Davidic themes uh, before, and we'll see Davidic themes later. And so there may be uh, some of this ambiguity uh, may be actually referring your land is the Davidic king, the Davidic heir 
uh, that we'll be reading about uh, in a little bit, uh, identified with, with the land. And so uh, with these Davidic themes uh, along the way, uh, and some of these ambiguities we keep seeing, these, these little shifts and uh, sometimes kind of, kind of word plays and such, uh, that uh, your land, oh, Emmanuel, which is used as a name earlier, and we're going to see this one who's, who's a wonder of a counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Uh, and so may, may be referring uh, also, also to, the, uh, uh, to the very heir of the land to whom it, to whom it belongs. And, uh, that's, how, uh, that's how John uh, Oswald uh, reads it in his uh, commentary. And so verse, uh, uh, verse 9, uh, Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. And some have dismayed, uh, because it may be sort of a, could be kind of a metaphor, but kind of a psychological uh, sort, of, sort of thing, uh, whether physically shattered or, or uh, uh, mentally uh, dismayed in, in fear and dread of what's to come. Uh, Although you have this broken thing too. Be broken, you peoples, and be shattered. Give ear, all you far countries. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Strap on your armor and be shattered. Take counsel together, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. Emmanuel. And so there it's clearly used as an interjection. And, and I mean, referring, <laughs> referring to God being present with his people shall not happen, shall not come to pass. And so, uh, then projecting uh, from these two nations, Aram, Israel, uh, then to Judah, and now to the nations uh, at large. And so, uh, they, can, they can take counsel uh, with, with all of their uh, generals and wise men and uh, military men and uh, kings and princes and officials, uh, they may take counsel, uh, but it will come to nothing. Speak a word, but it will not stand, for God is with us. Uh, and you think back uh, to uh, where they were plotting the very thing to depose Ahaz and put, uh, to put their guy on the throne, uh, Tabiel, uh, Ahaz king, over uh, Judah. And so uh, now uh, we transition to uh, Yahweh's exhortations to Isaiah in light of uh, these events uh, and what uh, he's to, uh, to understand from this. Uh, and it's, it's supporting and uh, in, in building off of uh, what uh, comes, uh, comes before. Here's uh, the takeaway for Isaiah and for Yahweh's uh, disciples. And actually, uh, right, would you mind uh, reading, let's see, through verse 8? Or wait, wait, wait. Uh, actually, hold on, hold on. little undecisive um, go ahead through I mean maybe 15 but go ahead through 16 
Starting at 11? Yep, 11 through 16. For the Lord spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me. He warned me not to walk in the way of his people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. And he will become a sanctuary, and a stone of offense, and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it, they shall fall and be broken, they shall be snared and taken. Bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord has given me are signs and portents in Israel from the Lord of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. So you see this this exhortation before uh, Isaiah, before, uh, I mean, well, his sons, uh, for uh, Yahweh's uh, disciples, those who are taught by him, those who listen and are uh, to and are taught by his prophet, uh, by his word, the, the testimony, uh, and even the, the scriptures. And so starting in verse 11, for Yahweh spoke thus to me with his strong hand upon me and warned me not to walk in the way of his people, saying, and so here's, uh, here's a warning, uh, don't walk in the way of this people. And really, I mean, Judah, Ahaz, uh, the, uh, his people, uh, the Davidic house uh, at this time, uh, whose hearts also shook altogether. Uh, warn me not to walk with this people, saying, Do not call conspiracy all this people calls conspiracy, and do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. And so, here, they're worried about the kingdoms around them. They're worried about their counsel, you know, their words. They're, they're conspiring, their, their plots uh, to uh, overthrow Ahaz, to sack Jerusalem. Uh, all, all of these things from the, the nations all around them that they uh, plot. Uh, Aram, Israel, uh, the surrounding nations, Philistines, Edom, uh, but even the Assyrians uh, themselves. Uh, and so uh, they're not to be uh, afraid of uh, the nations uh, like, uh, like this people. Do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy. And do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread. Now, does this sound familiar? But the Lord of hosts, him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Anyone know where that comes from? Or where it's quoted in the New Testament? It's in uh, Peter. Uh, maybe, maybe you can look it up. Is it First Peter uh, chapter 3? Yeah, I think I was just reading that. Uh, and so uh, there it's actually applied in the context of persecution uh, against Christians and they are to they are to sanctify Christ as Lord in their hearts. How did they do that? 
always being ready to give an answer, depends, for the hope that is within them, but with gentleness and reverence. Sanctify uh, Jesus as Lord uh, in, in your hearts. Here, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go there you go. I want to run there. Um, but there, in the context of Christian uh, persecution and the peoples around them, uh, that they would uh, that they would fear. So look at verse First uh, Peter three, verse thirteen. It actually starts before uh, this. Fine. Even verse eight. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart. In the humble mind, do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. On the contrary, bless, for to this you are called that you may obtain a blessing. Uh, for whoever desires to love life and see good days. Uh, yeah, let's read through it. For, for whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But uh, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? Uh, the, the assumption is no one. You know, no, no. <laughs> in general, you know, who is there to harm you if you're zealous uh, for what is good? You know, you, you won't expect to be harmed in that case so long as you do good. Kind of like you're just talking about with government. But... You know, knowing reality of the world we live in, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, uh, honor Christ uh, the Lord as holy, always being prepared uh, to make a defense to anyone who asks for the reason, for the hope that is in you. You have to do it with gentleness and respect having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame, for it is better to suffer for doing good. But if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And so, uh, have no fear of them, verse 14, have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. They're to sanctify Christ as holy uh, in uh, their hearts. Uh, and this is drawn from uh, Isaiah uh, that he's alluding to chapter uh, chapter 8. Uh, and so referring to the Lord and uh, he, he warns him not to walk away this people. And then verse 12, do not call conspiracy all that this people calls conspiracy and do not fear what they fear nor be in dread but Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of hosts. Him you shall honor as holy. Let him be your fear and let him be your dread. And so don't be scared of man, even if you suffer for righteousness sake, but they're to sanctify Christ as Lord. In the Hebrew text, Yahweh. So it's drawn from, it's drawn from Greek. And so the, what, who's being referred to, you know, even in the Greek text, is Yahweh, God, even though you have, you have Lord. Kyrios. So, uh, the Lord, but the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of hosts, 
him you shall honor as holy, let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. Uh, and they talk about how, you know, at first Jesus was, uh, uh, Peter, Peter J. Williams, uh, you know, at first uh, they saw Jesus as special. And then they saw him as really special. And then they saw him as really, really special. And then they thought about him as really, really, really special. <laughs> and then they thought he was God. Just <laughs> uh, like, no, uh, they, things like this are planted like all over in the New, New Testament. Uh, they had very high view uh, right away. Uh, and so let him be your fear, let him be your dread, and he will become a sanctuary and a stone of offense. Uh, there's some textual issues. Uh, could be a bad thing, but sometimes could be a sanctuary here uh, where maybe they take refuge. Uh, but uh, at least then it turns bad. And he'll become a sanctuary and a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling to both houses of Israel, a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many shall stumble on it. They shall fall and be broken. They shall be snared and taken. Uh, and so... Is a stone of offense and a rock of stumbling. Here, it's Yahweh. Uh, that's often used in Isaiah and elsewhere for Yahweh himself. Uh, sometimes it can be his word. Uh, and uh, Sometimes you can even have some of this language uh, where even talks, I think about, was it, a, a king shall reign over Israel and princes, uh, and they shall be, um, may speak of, uh, a rock, but like a refuge uh, for the peoples and, you know, from the rain. And so some of this imagery of Yahweh himself, his word, uh, but even extended uh, beyond. Uh, and so kind of have to be careful with uh, some of those themes and such, because depending on the text that's being applied to Jesus, uh, some of these things can be bound up with, uh, with God himself. And so uh, here... He's present, he's with them, not just for salvation, but for a judgment. And so they're to fear him and not walk in the ways of the people. And then uh, bind up the testimony, seal the teaching among my disciples. Uh, and uh, probably here, here uh, the binding up, the sealing, Isaiah's own words, Yahweh's words given through his prophet Isaiah uh, concerning of these things, of the, the prophecy, of the events. And so you even have, I mean, you, you have the tablet, uh, but you have clear uh, indication of uh, writing, of the, the testimony, uh, authoritative testimony and teaching among his disciples, of those who were uh, taught of God, uh, who uh, listened to his, uh, his prophet. Uh, the uh, the very word that was rejected by uh, the Ahaz and the people, by and large. And so, uh, verse 17, uh, we hear from Isaiah. Uh, I will wait for Yahweh, who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will open him. Behold, I and the children whom Yahweh has given me are signs and portents in Israel from Yahweh of hosts, who dwells on Mount Zion. And so, if you don't think the sign is related to, uh, well, Isaiah, and you have his sons, he came with one son, Sha'ar Yashuv, a remnant shall return. 
he has another when he goes to the prophetess, just as Yahweh instructed them. You have all these connections. Uh, and then very clearly, behold, um, says, I will wait for Yahweh who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob, and I will hope in him. Behold, I and the children whom Yahweh has given me are signs and portents, signs in Israel from Yahweh of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And later, Isaiah is a sign when he walks uh, uh, naked and barefoot for uh, three years, uh, speaking to the, uh, the deportations of, I think, even Egyptians and uh, some of the, uh, the peoples. I don't know if the Philistines were with that as well. And so, uh, clearly there, there are signs and portents in Israel from Yahweh of hosts who dwells on Mount Zion. And then uh, verse 19 turns again to the people. And this is often misunderstood, but you have two parallel lines and it's actually the people speaking. And when they say to you, inquire, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Uh, and really, these two lines belong together. Uh, they're in parallel. Uh, they refer to the same thing. You have synonymous uh, sort of a synonymous parallelism where you then have sort of a rhetorical question about addressing them. In the ESV, it only has quotes around the first part. Uh, and the Hebrew text can kind of baffle people at first, but it actually makes very good sense. And you have one, two, three, four, uh, five, and then six things that are inquired from. I think you have seven things that are referred to uh, in it. And so it's part of a, a parallel structure of building. Uh, uh, sometimes they, they, you know, seven is fullness and things like that. And so really it's the people, uh, they're quoting the people, and when they say to you, you know, here are the two lines quoting them, and when they say to you, uh, referring to, you know, Ahaz, the, the people, the nation, and when they say to you, Inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their God? Uh, it, it really, it's should not a people inquire of uh, their God, or it could even be read gods. Uh, there's, there's a little ambiguity there. Uh, should not a people re require of their God or gods? And it's, and we've rewarded it a little bit. Uh, they have on behalf of the living to the dead, but it's really, uh, sh should not the people require of uh, inquire of their God uh, to the dead on behalf of the living? And so when they inquire to their God or gods, they do it to the dead. And through the dead, you know, we might say. Uh, and so that's how they uh, inquire. And you think even of, Saul going to the, the witch of Endor, and uh, you have Samuel come forth. He's even called an Elohim at that point, a God, uh, and, and inquire. So you actually have these two lines, and you even have referral of uh, necromancy, like before that, inquiring of the dead. And the both lines concern that, inquiring of the dead, inquiring of the dead. And so when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers uh, who chirp and uh, mutter, 
uh, or when, and when they <laughs> quote it like they're quoting again, uh, inquire of the mediums, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter. Should not a people inquire of their god or gods uh, to the dead on behalf of the living? They're saying, yes, we should do this. It's a good thing to do. Of course, you know, that's what a people does. Just like all the pagan nations around them. And, and they're, uh, they're not to walk in the ways of this people. Uh, and Ahaz very much did those things. And he removed the altar of Yahweh and even, oh, saved it for divination. You know, things like that. Uh, and so both of them are bound up with this divination, necromancy, you know, whatever, to get secret information through means. It's not through the testimony and the teaching. It's not through the prophet. It's not through the scriptures. It's not the word of God. Uh, should not a people inquire of their God or gods uh, to the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. Uh, and let, let's just read through one more time to capture it. You know, <laughs> I could have maybe nailed it the, the first time, but you, you have this pause. And when they say to you, we're going to get to the response, to the teaching and to the testimony. That's the response. And when they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the necromancers who chirp and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God or gods to the dead on behalf of the living? To the teaching and to the testimony. If they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dung. You have this idea of light, you know, a dung. Uh, but darkness is going to descend upon them, a kind of light of revelation, light of, light of God's word. Uh, if they will, uh, to the teaching and to the testimony, if they will not speak according to this word, it is because they have no dawn. They will pass through the land greatly distressed and hungry. And when they are hungry, they will be enraged and will speak contemptu contemptuously against their king and their God, which was forbidden uh, I think even under the penalty of death uh, in uh, the, the Torah, the law, in, De in Leviticus. Uh, and so they'll be enraged and will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward to heaven and they will look to the earth, but behold distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick. And now when they turn their faces upward to heaven, to God, uh, and I, I may have read this first, but I know John Oswald makes this point. You, you might expect, turn their faces upward, are they going to pray? You know, pray to God, call upon God? Well, no, they just curse them. So they look up, they look up, uh, turn their faces upward to heaven, and they will look to the earth. But behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. So they've rejected the light of God's revelation. They've rejected his word. Uh, they've rejected the testimony and teaching uh, that was bound up and sealed among Yahweh's disciples. And so now they have famine, they have hunger, darkness descends upon the land. Yep, right. So in verse 20, it says, if they will not speak according to this word, is because they have no doubt. Is that getting kind of like what Paul talks in Romans? If you confess of your mouth and believe in your heart, one will be saved. Like they're not confessing and believing these things. Then this will yeah. come upon them. Is that kind of what it's referring to there? Or? Yeah, that could very well be. I mean, 
here the, the teaching and the testimony sealed up among his disciples. And so those who are taught of God and God has revealed, he's revealed these signs. Uh, they're given through Isaiah's sons, uh, the, uh, through his uh, prophets, uh, the, the prophet's uh, word, uh, and it was to be believed. And even in with Yahweh speaking to Ahaz, it shall not pass, it shall not happen, shall not come to pass, exhorting him, stand fast, stand firm. You know, if you're not firm in faith, you'll not be firm at all. Be quiet, you know, be careful, guard yourself. Uh, and there, it, it was that word that was rejected by, by Ahaz. And so, yeah, the, the word isn't, uh, isn't believed, uh, and they certainly don't speak according to that word, God's word, uh, the word of his uh, prophet, uh, even the spoken word, but the, the scriptures, those, those written down, uh, they reject that word. Instead, they're looking to the words of, of diviners, of mediums, those who, who channel spirits uh, to, to speak through, and necromancers, those who call forth and inquire of the dead, and don't love those words, uh, chirpers and mutterers. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, so, uh, I mean, just bound up with the, with the prophetic word. Yeah, and you think of like the New Testament, it says, you know, have the abundance of the heart and the mouth speaks. And mm -hmm. you think about how the Jews were to have the law on their mouth and in their minds and yeah. to teach these things. And yet what's coming out of their mouth is like what you're saying, the divination and not God's word that he revealed. Yeah, very, very true. And, and that language, you have the similar, the same sort of language in the Torah that was given, you know, teaching, the testimony, the statutes, uh, the rules, the commandments, uh, all of this different ways that, uh, that it conveys it, uh, the, the oracles, uh, things like that. Uh, and so then bound up here too with scriptures given before, but then also with, uh, with uh, the words uh, through, through Isaiah uh, as well. And so uh, this whole section contrasting now how to respond uh, in light of Isaiah confessing his hope uh, and trust in the Lord. Uh, not and they, they had just been exhorted not to walk in the way of this people. You know, he'd become a trap and a snare, sanctuary trap snare, a stone of stumbling, rock of offense, uh, or of stumbling. Uh, and Isaiah confesses his hope uh, after the... Uh, bind up the testimony and seal the teaching among my disciples. And now contrasting, how do you respond in light of the people saying, go to the diviners? And so this is strictly Deuteronomy 13, 18 issue with the prophets. Don't listen to them, even if it comes from among your own brothers uh, or even uh, uh, your very, the wife of your bosom or uh, your sons and daughters and uh, the people around them. Uh, they were to, to reject it. And so they're being faced with that very same uh, issue here. They, they weren't satisfied uh, with uh, the Word of God. In fact, they didn't trust the Word of God. They didn't believe it uh, and hope in God, but uh, they were looking to uh, another word, another uh, authority. So then let's just look where you have this transition from darkness, and we'll uh, cover this, Lord willing, uh, next week. Uh, so Back at verse 22, and they will look to the earth, faces turn upward, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, 
the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. And some of these things that we're going to see now with Hezekiah, God's going to judge the Assyrians. He's going to give deliverance. But this is going to go beyond that, uh, even, even beyond that. So you maybe have a, a foretaste, but it's not the, not the last word. Uh, but there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. Uh, it's the, the northern, this northern region that, that just came under uh, darkness. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, but in the latter time, he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. They are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us. And so you have all these fours building on it, supporting, supporting, why, why, why? Uh, why are they no longer under darkness as this light shone upon them? And you get to the end of it. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of Yahweh of hosts will do this. So what a contrast. And now we have another child, another son uh, that's given. Uh, and a son shall have a son and call his name Immanuel, God with us. Wonder of a counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. One who reigns and lives forever, upholding of the Davidic kingdom. So, uh, pretty spectacular, uh, but we'll uh, cover that more next time and uh, show a little bit how it weaves into uh, the book of Isaiah. Scroll of Isaiah. Let's close the prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, thank you uh, for uh, your teaching, for your testimony uh, through uh, your prophet Isaiah. And through uh, Moses and uh, your prophets, your apostles, uh, ultimately through your son. And uh, we thank you for, for your promises, for, for your salvation, that uh, although uh, you, you judge, uh, you're present with your people even in judgment, your judgment does not last forever, but uh, you uh, will save them and you, you will redeem them. We thank you for the coming of your son, uh, seeing even uh, the uh, fulfillment of these very things. Uh, and we look forward to his return uh, and the consummation and fullness uh, of his kingdom and your kingdom. Uh, and we uh, give all the glory to you and to your son and pray in his name. Amen. Amen.